Hey guys, we've got a live episode where the community was invited to join and ask questions on today's episode. We're going to be talking about the CARES Act, specifically the Paycheck Protection Program, and all the details about that. So this is going to be some really interesting stuff. I think it'll be valuable for anybody who is interested in getting some funding during this time uh, that is within the U.S. Uh, this is not going to be really relevant to anybody outside of the U.S., I would give this one a pause, uh, unless you just want to hear our delightful voices, of course. We'd love to keep you company during this time. That works, of course. Um, we did continue talking after this, and we actually ended up talking for like another hour after this, between 30 minutes and an hour. We'll just post that tomorrow as a bonus episode for you. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to FloatHelm. FloatHelm is the software that is driving our float centers. Even during our closure, it's what we're using for communications between employees. It's where we're distributing information. It works out really well, obviously, for um, you know taking clients in, processing their payments, scheduling. It does a lot of things forward-facing. It's also just great internally, too, which is how we're using it currently during this time. Flowhelm.com is where you want to go to schedule a tour and make sure it's a good fit for you. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Art of the Float podcast, where float centers thrive. I am one of your co-hosts, Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined with Gloria Morris. Hi, Gloria. Hello, everyone. Joined by Drew Jitsu. Hello, everybody. And Kim Hannon. Hello, hello. It's a very special episode here. I'm very excited to bring on a very special individual to me, my brother-in-law, Jesse Calm. Uh, but it's not just for funsies. He is also a small business lawyer. So he's going to be bringing a lot of awesome information to us and hopefully help guide us in a very um, easy to consume uh, way. There's so much going on at the moment. And so I think he's going to help guide us so that everything is a little bit uh, simple for us and easy and making sure that we have money and can stay open. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dylan, for that terrifying introduction. I'm not sure I can meet that bar, but I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> That's great. And thank you for inviting me. It's very nice to be finally on the podcast. I know we've talked about this a few times over the years. Yeah, uh, as Dylan said, I'm a partner at McEwen Gisvald. This is a law firm in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I do all types of business transactions. I work a lot with small businesses. I do a lot of commercial lending. And as I understand the topic of this podcast uh, for today, uh, we're talking about the Paycheck uh, Protection Program uh, put out by the Small Business Administration under the very recent CARES Act from the federal government. Do I have that about right, Dylan? I think Is that's that what about you promised right. people. Okay. I... <laughs> Good, because that's the only thing I know anything about right now. <laughs> I do want to ask, backing up just a little bit before talking about yeah. the CARES Act, is, um, you know, is that where we should be starting with the Paycheck Protection Plan? Or is that just where your expertise is? Um, because there are other options, you know, SBA loans, economic injury, disaster relief funds, that kind of thing. Is that in your wheelhouse or should we really keep it to the CARES Act? I think that um, strictly based on my areas of expertise, we should talk primarily about the CARES Act. Um, but that being said, I think that all of you out there who are facing economic uncertainty because of this coronavirus thing um, should be exploring all of your options to figure out what's right for your business. Uh, as as Dylan mentioned, there are um, 
many programs out there, depending on where you're located. I know um, here in Oregon, um, there are some city and state specific disaster relief loans available. Uh, and there's also a disaster relief loan available from the SBA, that's the Small Business Administration at the federal level. Um, and that can, can provide you know, quick upfront cash um, in, in, in a loan form. Um, but I, I think the, the, the PPP program is that, that's the acronym for Paycheck Protection Plan, um, is pretty exciting. It differs from those other options in the sense that um, the loans that are given under that program are um, designed to be forgivable, um, at least in part. So, you know, essentially what the federal government has done through this um, PPP program is said, we want to get a bunch of money in the hands of workers and we want to make sure that businesses are supported in terms of their operating expenses. And, you know, there's, there isn't a great mechanism at the federal level to just cut checks to people. And so they're administering this through the small business administration uh, and, and, and the banking system to make loans to businesses, which are then forgiven based on the business's actual expenditures for payroll and rent and utilities and mortgages and, uh, and things like great. that. You make it yeah. sound so simple. It's so great that this is so easy to consume. <laughs> so let's, let's start breaking that down, shall we? Yeah. So what, so it's called the, it's the PP, PPP, uh, yeah. protection plan. This is, I mean, not got, the greatest acronym, but we'll, we'll use it. <laughs> it's uh, he's also a dad. Um, yeah. So expect the dad jokes. Um, oh, so yeah. This is clearly designed to keep employees on board. And I want to go a little bit into like the extra funds and well, there's a lot I want to ask about this, but um, why is it important that we have employees on board as opposed to them signing up for unemployment? What's the benefit for us, them, and maybe for the government? Well, looking at it strictly from a humanitarian standpoint, um, I understand that there are long lines <clears throat> right now um, to collect unemployment. So the, I mean, the advantages are uh, from the employee standpoint, you know, they would be able to keep their jobs, have more certainty of employment. They don't have to go through the process of um, collecting unemployment, applying for it. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it kind of keeps them in the family uh, of your company. You know, I know that, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a small business owner too. My law firm has, you know, 13 employees and, and nine partners and, you know, so we're a small business too. And, and, you know, every one of those employees is very important to us and, and we wouldn't want any of them to think that, um, their, their jobs were, uh, well, we want to keep them, you know, cause sooner, sooner or later this thing is going to pass and we'd like to still have all those same people in our firm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there, there are benefits to both sides to keeping them employed, but I think you're right to, to raise the prospect of collecting unemployment because, you know, one of the pieces of calculus that the federal government does is they look at, you know, either we're going to, you know, pay money through this program to incentivize companies to keep people on staff, or we're going to be paying those same employees unemployment checks. Mm -hmm. And so this is sort of a more palatable way to get that money in the hands of those people. Um, okay. I, I would like to back up though, just kind of talk generally how the loan, how, how the program works and how the loan amount is calculated and how the forgiveness works. I think that might anticipate a lot of the questions. Is Great. that all right, Dylan? Please. Okay. So these loans, uh, although the program is administered through the Small Business Administration, which is an arm of the federal government um, designed to assist small businesses, uh, the loans are actually made by banks, uh, you know, individual banks all around the country um, are actually making these loans, which are then guaranteed by the federal government. Um, the loans 
do not require personal guarantees. The loans do not require any collateral like a mortgage or anything else. Uh, the interest rate on the loans is 4%. Uh, and they're still working out what the repayment period is going to be. I think currently it says 10 years. They might try to reduce that to two years, but with a lower interest rate. Um, you know, Some of these things are still moving pieces. The program isn't live yet, but we do expect it to go live, um, I think. Friday is is the soonest day that I've heard that it's expected to actually go live. So there, but there are some details that are still getting worked out. Um, but so the you know when you apply for the loan, uh, in order to be eligible for the loan, all they say is that you need to have fewer than 500 employees. Or I should say 500 or fewer, um, and you need to have been. Well, the SBA website says you need to have been affected by the coronavirus. Uh, the application itself um, requires you to make a certification. I want to get this language exactly right. You have to check a box on the application to certify the following statement, that the uncertainty of current economic conditions makes necessary the loan request to support the ongoing operations of your company. The uncertainty of the current economic conditions makes necessary the loan request to support the ongoing operations of your company. Um, a lot of lawyers have sat around trying to figure out exactly what that means, and oh we God. kind of have no clue. Okay. Um, Great news. But there there are no, I mean, it's kind of an impossible thing to say that because of uncertainty, something is necessary. If it's uncertain, how do you know? You know, we don't know what's going to happen two, three months from now. However, mm. you do have to make that determination now. The time to apply is now. Mm -hmm. And and I kind of look at this the same way that um, we looked at social distancing measures when the outbreak was first starting. Um, if it feels like maybe it's not yet necessary, but you don't know, then it's time to do it because that way you can forestall any worse pain later mm -hmm. on, you know, sort of the economic equivalent of flattening the curve. But you do need to be able to check that box. Um, and I know that what a lot of companies are, are saying is, well, we were realizing we had to do layoffs or we did do layoffs, but having this loan will allow us to either retain those people or hire them back. Um, and so, you know, if you look at that, I, I think it's reasonable to say that um, you can truthfully make that certification. Um, but again, it's just a box that you check. They, there are no, you know, broader requirements beyond that. You just have to say that you have to be able to make that statement. And I will just say, I think in the float industry here, I don't think that's in question. I think all of us are yeah, heavily I, impacted. I know you guys have been hit pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I, Gloria has a question here. Yes, Gloria. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for being on. So. Um, I have a pretty significant number of employees and I've already laid them all off and kind of directed them to the unemployment website. Now I'm starting to get reports in the mail and things that I have to fill out for their unemployment. So once that happens, are you, so just to clarify too, I have not termed them out in my payroll system. So the question is, do I have to term them out for them to, get the benefits or is it okay just leaving them zero hours? And the second question is if I do term them out or, you know, they are filing for unemployment, does that kind of negate the opportunity for me to take advantage of this PPP program right now? Do I have to like hire them back? How does that all work? And forgive me if you've kind of alluded to that already. I just need clarification. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Um, to your first question, I am not completely sure. I don't think you would have to, I don't think it matters whether they're still in your system or not because people can collect unemployment while they're on furlough, which I know is the approach that a lot of folks are taking. Um, and can you also describe furlough versus layoff? Yeah. That's another. 
yeah, <laughs> furlough basically means we're laying you off, but we expect to bring you back. Um, and then layoff means we got to cut you. Good luck, basically. Um, and, and full disclosure, I'm not an employment lawyer. So some of these get into an area that's a little outside my expertise. Oh, and I probably should have said the blurb at the start that, you know, this is information of general uh, interest and I'm not specifically advising anybody or giving legal advice. Okay. That being said, Jesse, um, can, can I continue that asterisk there? Of um, Yeah, go for it. We are in the United States of America. This podcast goes to Canada and around the world. So things are definitely uh, yes. going to look different and, you know, okay, just want to put that out there. Yeah, I, I should I should have said you have to be a U.S. business to be eligible um, for the, the CARES Act loan program. Um, as it is a, an American law. Um, but to, to answer your, your, your second question, Gloria, so the, the way that the initial loan amount is calculated is your, um, you take your average monthly payroll cost over, I think it's over the previous year or maybe for calendar year 2019. And then, and so that's, you know, all salary and benefits for your employees. And if, if you are a self-employed business, you can also include your own salary. So you take all those costs, um, and that's just payroll costs. You multiply it by two and a half. So two and a half months worth of those costs. That is the amount of loan that you are eligible for. And then eight weeks later, after the loan is funded, you can be eligible to have that loan forgiven. And the percentage of your loan that is forgiven is equal to the, the ratio that you do is the number of full-time equivalent employees you have when you apply for the forgiveness divided by the number of full-time equivalent employees you had before, during a relevant time period before the loan. And they give you a couple of options. And basically you can say during calendar year 2019 or during you know six months of calendar year 2019, how many employees did you have? Or you can say, how many did you have this year prior to the end of February, kind of as your baseline. So, you know, for example, if a company started the year with 15 employees and then at the time that they you know, and they, then they get a loan at the time they apply for loan forgiveness. If they then have 13 employees, they would have to pay back two fifteenths of the loan amount. Did that make enough sense? So that does make sense. And, you know, the one thing that kind of threw me off in the beginning was the FTE, the full-time equivalent. So it's not necessarily how many full-time employees you have classified. If I have 27 employees and only five of them are full-time and the rest are part-time, it's all based on the full-time equivalent number. So, you know, basically your, your total number of hours divided by 40 would give you a good FTE number from what I understand, correct? Yeah, that, that, that's essentially right. That's how they okay. do calculate what, what FTE means. And I, and I know I, I saw a question about what does that mean? And basically it's right. You kind of squish together the employees that you have and how many hours they work um, divided by, I think it's by 40. Uh, and again, this is a little more an employment law that's outside my area, but I think you divide by 40 or 35 and a half or something like that. Uh, and that is how you get the, the number that's your FTE, full-time equivalent. Uh, Don said based on 35 hours. That, that does sound right to me. So yeah, it, it's not based on actual number of people. It's based on full-time equivalent. And then also when you apply for that loan forgiveness, uh, you'll need to provide receipts and pay stubs to show that you actually did spend the money on permissible expenses. Those permissible expenses are not just the payroll costs that were used to calculate the loan amount, but also rent and utilities, interest payments, and payment of interest on any mortgage. So you do have to you know, establish when you go for the forgiveness that you spent it on those approved categories um, over the, the relevant eight-week period. But 75% of it does need to go towards payroll. Is that correct? 
good good question, Dylan. Did you see that somewhere? That 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 may be correct. As I said, some of the 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 details are still being fleshed out. Can I, I, I hadn't real seen quick that. Here? I spent two hours this morning with my local SBA. They did a um, information session, and cool. they said it was for expenses uh, averaged out from February fifteenth, twenty nineteen, to June thirtieth, twenty nineteen. If you uh, yes. weren't in business at that time, then it was January and February of this past year. Also, if you didn't use whatever monies wasn't used, because again, the key is you'll end up having to prove it to the bank to have mm -hmm. it um, forgiven. Anything not used, we were told, is a two-year loan term paid back at a 0.5% interest rate for, the, for anything not used for that specific PPP um, loan the ei the emergency disaster loan that's a separate one but yeah that was the question that was asked okay i think i need x for my payroll but uh -huh. if i'm if i'm getting you know i think i need ten thousand dollars i'm giving 15 what's what happens with the extra five they said you pay it back over two years at 0.5 percent interest rate is the loan yes that. yes that, that that is correct and, and that that repayment term and the interest rate is something that is a very recent change. You know, as of yesterday, it was a 10-year repayment term with 4% interest. So and that's now a two-year term with half a percent interest. And of course, if if you still have the money, you can just pay it back early. There's no prepayment penalty. So you don't have to accrue that interest if you don't want to. But again, half a percent is pretty darn low. So there's there's an incentive to hang on to that over the long term. And so, you know, yes, you apply for the money and it's kind of up to you whether you want to apply that to those permissible expenses and get the forgiveness or just treat it as a loan and pay it back over that two years at half a percent. Uh, and and uh, another question I'm going to anticipate is that, you know, what, what happens if you have a business like Gloria's and many, many others who have already laid off their employees, you know, can you still be eligible for the forgiveness? Uh, and the answer is yes, if you rehired employees at the time you asked for that forgiveness. Because again, the, the baseline that you're comparing against is a time period either earlier this year or last year and you know if you rehire the folks then that's fine you can still be eligible for that forgiveness you just have to have them back on your payroll uh, when you apply for it i just want to get ahead of that a little bit here and, and say as small business owners not all of us have a bunch of money in their banks and we've already been running dry for a while so we're supposed to bring them back on and and pay them before we get the money is that correct you have to, if you want to get the forgiveness, you have to bring them back on before you ask for the forgiveness. Even if they haven't been um, paid yet, they just have to be officially back on. And what does that mean? How do we show that? Well, that's a great question. And that's not something I have an answer to yet. W when you apply for these loans, though, you're going to be working very closely with your bank. And I would think that, you know, they may have their own criteria for verifying that people are on the payroll, but you could certainly get an answer to that question early on in the application process. But as to whether they have to be just working or do they have to have drawn a paycheck by the time you apply for the forgiveness, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if that answer has been made available yet. Okay. And so then that, that, I can that, jump in there also. Uh, yeah. Another thing that the SBA had stressed to us was that it was supposed to be what's helpful to the person who was laid off. And if you are on unemployment, there's an extra bonus check, uh, $600 a month for or $600 per week for four months. So it almost is beneficial for most of those people who were on unemployment, if they were full-time, to stay mm -hmm. on unemployment. And the idea is that those people would stay on and get that extra 
$600 a week, which mm -hmm. is going to be more potentially than what they would have gotten if they got hired back on. There will be that situation. So yeah. that's something to look at, that it may not be beneficial to hi hire those employees back. More likely, it, it was told to us that it would be most likely like part-time employees, um, especially if they have another job already. They're not filing for full-time unemployment if mm -hmm. they are even filing for part-time unemployment. So that's something to consider also is what's beneficial to that employee with this extra bonus check that's going to be rolled out also. That's interesting. Th th thank you, Drew. Yeah, that's interesting. But I would just add, you know, if, if your employees are laid off, then in order to get the, the loan forgiveness at the end, you will need to show that you did spend those funds on other permissible expenses. So, you know, without the payroll cost, you'd have to spend all that money on mortgage interest, rent, utilities, uh, and, and payment of other interests. So, Sorry to interrupt. Um, I saw just yesterday there was um, a document released by the government about this that did include the line that 75% of the cost would need to be used for payroll. Oh, really? Okay, definitely, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely complicates all of this equation, um, particularly in relation to what Drew brought up about mm. how people on unemployment will receive that $600 per week Potentially, that's the maximum amount. That that amount is calculated um, using a percentage of your income. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, it may be beneficial if possible. What is making sense to me right now, basically, is um, for us to keep employees on unemployment for as long as possible while still rehire them, uh, rehiring them at essentially, um, you know, almost the latest date that it still works out to get. Um, the Paycheck Protection Program, so that perhaps as their unemployment is running out, we can rehire them. I don't know. It's a complicated um, equation still in my mind. Yeah, I, I think it does raise a lot of questions like that. Um, yeah, good good thought, Sandra. Uh, I, I think also probably uh, health insurance and benefits are going to be another um, piece of the equation. If you are providing health insurance to your employees, then they may be interested in coming back on your payroll and getting that health insurance rather than trying to pay for a Cobra or something like that uh, if they're on unemployment. Maybe somebody else can answer this for me, but can they opt in to still have uh, health insurance through our business while they're collecting unemployment? At least through our health insurance provider, they have a provision allowing people to stay on despite reduced hours, even despite being temporar temporarily laid off. So we are able to continue paying for the health insurance benefits for our employees um, at okay. this time, and I, I would, I would expect that those expenses would be creditable toward the loan forgiveness. Yes, that's my understanding um, that that they are absolutely um, yeah. creditable. Yeah. So on, on the device I'm using for this call, I, I can't see all the questions, but I have seen a couple come up that I just want to respond to. There was one question about whether you have to rehire the same employees, and the answer is no. Um, it's just by number of people, number of FTEs, not by individual identity. And then there's another question about whether you can hire yourself. And, you know, I, I know many of you are using a corporate format opposed to an LLC or a partnership. And so if you're a corporation, then you actually are employed by your business. You have to be an employee and pay yourself a salary. And, and in those circumstances, yes, your own uh, personal employment costs would be included in that calculation for how much of a loan you can get and what permissible expenses are. So I could actually, so with unemployment, 
I would get a, a very small amount of money because I get paid very little from our business. So with right. this, I could actually give myself a raise. And is that correct? Put myself on payroll at a higher amount. It wouldn't be based on previous paychecks. No, Dylan, you can't do that. It, it, they're going to look at what you were paid previously. Okay. Yeah. They're going to want proof of a before and an after type of thing. So that's where going back to the February through uh, June will come in the average of that amount. Mm -hmm. um, but no, you can't do that. And that might end up being fraudulent. So be careful. Yeah, that makes sense. Because then if you were giving other employees less money, but taking more, that would be terrible. Yeah. Sorry, quick question. I wonder though, like I have one employee that I laid off that already found another job. So she worked 25 hours a week for me. Could myself or my husband step in and pick up those hours on payroll in lieu of hiring a replacement? I believe so. I don't think there's anything that would prohibit that. And I think that's, you know, from a business standpoint, that sounds like a sensible and real response to the current situation. Not like you're trying to game the system or anything like that. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't work. One thing that comes to mind for me is how you've been classifying yourself before this. So for example, for us, we are salaried and um, considered full-time. So when we submit payroll, um, um, well, we're an S-Corp, so we are owner employees, which may have an, another, um, that may have something else applied to all of this. But when we submit our personal payroll, um, we're saying that we're already full-time, even though we're not paid well. Um, and uh, so I think that from my understanding, I think that although it is reasonable for us to do that, um, I don't know that we'll be able to, and I really hope that we will be able to. What I like about, um, from, from learning from my brother over time, there is this aspect in law of what is reasonable. Um, and so I really hope that that does come to play in all of this. I mean, th this is a massive sweeping government program. You know, they are printing what may end up being, you know, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars um, to stimulate the economy here. And they've done so on a very, on an expedited basis. And there are a lot of details that still need to be fleshed out. And I think a lot of folks, you know, you're all asking great questions. You know, how do we, you know, really truthfully and in good faith, take advantage of this program, given our circumstances, you know, versus how are there ways that people can game the system? You know, I know, you know, one question that I've heard elsewhere is, can I just hire my kids as full-time employees at the 11th hour before I ask for the loan forgiveness and qualify those as FTEs and get the full forgiveness? I mean, and obviously that would be gaming the system and not necessarily in good faith, but is that permissible under the law? Maybe, you know, that's the sort of thing that they need to flesh out still so to make sure that everyone is actually using these funds for the purpose they're intended and in good faith. Wow. And, and this, this brings me to, you know, I, I think my, my, my call to action for you folks is this is an enormously popular program. It projects to be. It's scheduled to go live on Friday. It's the earliest date that I've heard. And banks are the ones who are making these loans and basically administering the distribution of these funds. And they are overwhelmed. There are going to be thousands and thousands of applications. And banks are saying currently we are prioritizing our existing customers and making sure that they get their applications in first. If you're a new customer of a bank or you don't actually have an existing relationship with a bank, you're, you're more likely to get put at the back of the line. And even though the program isn't live yet, 
I would say, as soon as you stop listening to this podcast or get off this call, call your bank, call the bank that you already have a relationship with your depository bank or, you know, any bank you have a lending relationship with and get in line, get your application in because there is going to be a mad dash of people holding their spoons and running for this money pot. And currently it's underfunded by the government. There's discussion that the government will add additional funds to this program, but you know, that will take another act of Congress. They will of course look silly if they make this giant program and then don't fund it sufficiently. And obviously Congress does silly things all the time. We're hoping this is not one of them. But my my instruction to you folks is, if you're interested in doing this, get the ball rolling now and get it rolling with multiple banks. And you know you, you have to check a box when you actually do your application that says that you don't have any other applications out there. But that's fine. You know, see which one you're getting traction with, and then pull back the others. But there is going to be a scramble for this, and so you want to make sure that you are not trampled by it. Wow. I am curious about, so the 75% thing, when, when you were first talking, um, I was like, oh, wow, this is just a great loan to take out um, with 0.5% interest, like, yes. But um, based on the idea that all needs, to, or excuse me, that 75% needs to go towards payroll, that really limits how the cap on what you can use as extra loan money, right? For rent, et cetera. Well, that, that's a, that is a condition of getting the forgiveness. That's not a condition of having the loan. If you have no intention of applying for the forgiveness, then you can just treat it as a loan with a two-year term and a half percent interest rate. Can you um, still get a partial um, forgiveness for what you yes, did absolutely. use for payroll? Yeah, you can get wow. partial forgiveness for the portion that was used for payroll. Um, the piece I'm not sure about is if you're going just for partial forgiveness, can you only credit 75% or can you... Do you have to stick to that 75% number? I think the answer is yes. But again, okay. Okay. You, you will set up a relationship with your bank and your banker who you're working with should be able to answer questions more specifically because we're not just dealing with the SBA guidelines. The bank is also going to have their own guidelines for how they verify the okay. facts that they're required to to disperse the money. Got it. Dylan, if I might add, I, I would just say that the PPP portion of the act definitely seems to favor people who have money in the bank and can continue to pay. That's essentially what it, I took from that is they want you to keep paying your bills if you have the money to do so. Mm. And we're going to pay you back. And this thing's going to take a little bit of time while they figure it all out. But it definitely seems like it favors people who have the ability to continue to make those payroll payments and the mortgage payments and the rent payments. They don't want people to stop paying their rent. Right. So if you can do it, they're saying based off of that February I think as of February 15th, 2020, um, going forward, that's when things get a little bit murky, but they are going to be uh, reimbursing, if you will, um, for that time frame. But it definitely seems like it's beneficial more so for the people that can continue to pay people. Got it. I'm curious if we have any um, more clarity on timelines um, for when we need to rehire people. Um, So I know that there's this eight-week period. So you apply for the forgiveness and then eight weeks after, excuse me, you apply for the loan and then eight weeks after that, you can apply for forgiveness and provide proof of how you've used that money. Um, But do we have any time deadlines for these kinds of things? In terms of when you apply for the forgiveness or when you have to hire people back? I'm mostly curious about when we need to hire people back. You need to have them back on your payroll when you apply for the forgiveness. 
And, and again, in terms of exactly how you define somebody being on your payroll, that I don't know. And that will be a question for your bank. Okay. So just another uh, point to bring up for those that do have SBA loans. Uh, it is my understanding that if you have any existing loans in good standing, they are automatically deferring your payments until December 31st. Um, so I, I don't know if you can validate that that's true. Um, I did call my bank this morning. Um, I have two. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that that's, that's the case and that there's not this mess of paperwork you have to go through just to kind of get that process started. So I'm just kind of validating if that's something you've learned as well. I can speak to that. Um, so uh, do you have an SBA loan or a regular loan? SBA. Yeah, it's automatically deferred. Um, and I can send you the document that says it. My banker called me yesterday to say that very thing. I have an SBA loan as well. And um, some of them are deferred. Some of them are six months will be paid by the SBA. Yes, I did hear that as well. Yep. Um, I, I'd like to make sure that I, I, I need to clarify something in terms of how that loan forgiveness is calculated as a function of uh, your full-time equivalent employees. So from the date that you get the money, stretching out for a period of eight weeks is the covered period. And when they do that math to figure out how much of the loan gets forgiven, it's actually not how many full-time equivalent employees you have at midnight before you apply for the forgiveness. It's the average number of full-time equivalent employees you have during that eight-week covered period. And then that's compared to that baseline number from either earlier this year or the period last year that, that, that Drew mentioned. So I, I think I didn't say that right at first. It's not just how many you have at the very end. It's the average number of employees you have, um, of FTEs you have over the course of that eight weeks um, that you have the loan money, which I know is harder if you've already laid people off and you're trying to do the math about hiring them back on. And, and if that's the case, you know, you'll be able to get reimbursement for the portion of the money that you spend on rent and utilities and interest and payroll costs for employees who aren't laid off. May I ask, should we apply for everything? Should we aim for the best one, best rate? How do we go about this? There are local um, entities offering up money in Portland. Do we go for that first? Do we ignore SBA loans? What, what's your idea of a strategy? My, my idea is um, shotgun style. Um, look at everything that might help you and apply for it. Talk with your bankers about what's available. And if, you know, for example, on the PPP loan, if you have to certify at the time you actually submit your application that you don't have other SBA loans out there, you know, then, then it's time to pull back any, any applications you have out there. But I, I think that there's no reason to limit yourself if there's some other local grant or relief available that is not otherwise um, prohibited by the PPP or vice versa. Yeah, get all the help you can. Cool. That was actually one of the questions um, Sanjay and I had for you while we were talking or that, okay. that you expressed that I just really liked hearing that I want everybody yeah. to be aware of is just cover everything, cover all of your bases. And then like you said, as, as needed, drop them off. I really yeah like exactly idea. and I mean go go to your lenders and and if you need it go to your lenders and see if they'll give you a loan uh, forbearance if you have a mortgage on your property go to your landlords and see if you can get a break on rent you know every everyone is having to field and, and deal with these kinds of requests at every level of the economy and just because you're getting help in one place doesn't you know we all have a lot of uncertainty and 
just because you have enough today doesn't mean you'll have enough two months from now. And so I think that you just have to take advantage of, of the abundance that is there now and, and, you know, bring in those resources if you can. And, and that's another great idea to me, which is that if you can get a break on, if you can get a loan to pay rent, that doesn't mean you shouldn't also ask for a break in rent. Um, like whether it's 50% off or delayed, whatever, um, kind of what you're describing is just have, collect the money as much as you can so that you can survive as long as you can during this weird time where we don't know what things are going to look like. Yeah. And again, just bearing in mind that if you are going to do the PPP loan that you will have to show that you spent those, you spent those funds. If you want to get them reimbursed, you have to show you spent them on payroll and rent and interest. Right. Um, so if you do get a break on your rent, that's great, but that then might affect your ability impact. to get forgiveness of the, of the loan. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Beth Jones has, is, was it president of the, of the FTA? And she's been putting a lot of information out to the community. Uh, she's joined us and I know she didn't hear everything at the beginning, but first of all, hi Beth. Thanks, hi. thanks for being here. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to add or contribute or any questions that you have for Jesse? Well, I do have, I have, I do have one. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, do you have one question for Jesse? This is the first I've heard with the payroll relief that it's for full-time equivalent employees and not mm-hmm. just for payroll in general. Um, what does that look like? Well, the, the loan amount uh, is calculated on payroll in general, um, but the percentage that is forgiven is based on FTEs. Oh, got it. Okay. That's, does that make sense? Yeah. That's a very important okay. note though. That's yeah. a really important detail. Um, cause I, I, I know a lot of us are running with largely part-time employees, I think. And so, um, you know, I've got some other center owners I've been talking to about that. And so that's a really important detail that I will pass along. Um, okay, good. in terms of SBA stuff, um, the, the deferments, um, their standard process for deferment is actually super, super easy. Um, it's like one page of paperwork, but, um, it's my understanding that this extension through the end of the year through December, um, is obviously nine months essentially. Um, so it's three months of the standard deferment and then the cares act that was passed last week, um, by the federal government is going to pay the principal interest and fees on all non-disaster SBA loans for six months. Um, so I think it's all of those things bundled together. It's that three month deferment, um, that you can get access to. And then six months, um, that that the loan is actually going to be paid on, um, is my understanding of how that part is working. Um, and yeah, they're fortunately doing that automatically. I kind of did all that stuff last week before it was automatic. So that was extra funsies just for giggles, but (laughs) here we are. That's Hmm. okay. But we've got nothing but downtime, so. Right. Nothing to do. Nothing yeah. to do over here. And, and on, on a related topic, I know a lot of us um, still have student loans, and that may not be a, an expense of your business, but it is a personal expense. Um, and a lot of student loan companies are making it very easy to get a two-month uh, forbearance, no questions asked if you need it. Um, so, you know, check that with your with your, your other lenders, too, Whatever whatever relief you can get to get through this time. Yeah. Um, on that note, personal mortgages, if you own your home, that mm-hmm. also stretch the dollars out. Right. Exactly. One other uh, point I wanted to make, uh, Dylan, for those of us that do have multiple locations, 
it is my understanding that, you know, based on each EIN, you would do the process from scratch for each entity. And, um, you, you know, you would be eligible based on the criteria per entity. So in my case, you know, I have a, a C-Corp that's kind of the overriding parent company, and that's where all my payroll comes from. So in the case of PPP, it, it's my understanding I can only apply with that entity because of the payroll coming out of that entity. And then the other locations have basically an allocation that pays the corporation for the, for the piece of payroll that they're responsible for. So I'm not sure, you know, if that was good advice that, yes, I only apply for the C-Corp related to PPP because I still have these allocations by each P&L. I don't know if you could speak to that, Jesse. I, I can't. That's a great question. Um, and I, I would direct you back to your, to your lender, um, to your bank. Yeah. I don't actually know the answer to that question. Sorry about that. That's okay. Can I also add, uh, today I was told if you applied prior to March 27th, it's you have to reapply. So if you did something prior to that date, that you have to do it all over again because they changed how you do stuff. Okay, thank you. Something Fortunately, the process is a, a lot simpler, especially um, the the SBA disaster relief. Um, Gloria's nodding her head. I know she. Yes, I had to do it four that, times, and it was yeah, effortless. It was like pages of paperwork last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was a ton, and and doing that the traditional way, which is something that we use you know, here on the coast when hurricanes show up, um, and shut everything down. Um, that process is long and arduous and there's a million pages of paperwork and now they have streamlined it. So it's like literally a bunch of check boxes and a couple of fill in the blanks and takes 20 minutes as opposed to three hours. <laughs> but I do anticipate that, you know, that was just kind of the first gate to cross. And now they're going to be coming at you with, you know, the caseworker, whoever's working to get all the paperwork that we would normally need to have. But yeah, Beth, you are so right. And I'm kind of pissed that I felt like I was the early bird and, you know, got in there and then it changed to downloading the forms. And then, you know, I lost everything that I had saved. So, uh, yeah. but I was pleasantly surprised. Um, in fact, my husband has a business as well. I'm like, you need to get on here right now. It's super easy. Do not procrastinate. Just do it. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely good for people who are just joining in the fun now. It's very, very easy to do. Yeah. It's my understanding too, that in regards to the SBA loans and the $10,000 um, emergency relief that doesn't require repayment, they're being really funny about the words with that, but that 10, that initial $10,000 is an emergency and does, does not require repayment, but is not the same as the, the loan that you may be approved for later. That's the economic um, injury relief. Um, but there's a, there's a cap obviously on the dollar amount of people that are going to have access to that. And so if you haven't done it, you need to do it right this second um, to make sure that, you get in before it hits that, whatever that cap is. Go talk to your bank. If you want to do the PPP loan, go right away and talk to your bank. And if you have multiple banks, talk to multiple banks. Or find one. <laughs> or find one. There's going to be a rush. And, and I think that, you know, if it's, if you don't currently have a banking relationship, set, set one up. If you're a new customer, you're going to be more likely to get attention for the PPP than if you are just wanting to use them for their loan. Hmm. Jesse, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this and I'd be, you know, I'd be happy to do it again if, if anybody needs it. I, 
uh, I, I can almost guarantee we will. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking sooner than later. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for joining today's episode. I, I hope this was valuable to everybody for sure. Um, nice, right? Yeah. Thanks so much to, to lawyer Jesse Gom. And uh, thanks so much to President Beth Jones for being on as well. You've been uh, provided a lot of assistance to us. Thank you very much. As always, thanks to my co-hosts, Gloria, Kim, and Drew. Thank you guys so much. And thanks for everybody who had questions. Um, I think those questions are truly benefiting everybody. And thanks for showing your smiling faces here on Zoom. That was nice to, to see some of you. Thanks to everybody who was on, but uh, not on video, just joining us. Really appreciate that. Um, we were reading your text feeds on the, uh, during the show here. So thanks so much. And uh, let's see here. Beyond that, thanks to Float Away, of course. Um, what an odd time for all of us as float tank or as float centers. But I imagine this is also a really difficult time for float tank manufacturers as well. I imagine they're not getting the orders that they're getting at this um, during this time. So if you're interested in things like new float centers expanding, or if uh, you've made it to this end of this episode but you're not open yet, or you're still looking at what type of float takes to get. My guess is you can get their ear pretty easily right now and have a nice conversation with them about what kind of products they have for you when it comes to float tanks. Uh, Floataway.com is where you want to go to get started. Say hi to Ginny and Colin. They're a really sweet couple um, and uh, they make some amazing float tanks. Again, Floataway.com is where you want to go. And uh, yeah, thanks again for Kim for taking show notes. Thanks to everybody who's supporting us on Patreon. Um, we have a bunch of different tiers now for, um, <laughs> I don't want to call them regular floaters, but uh, floaters, uh, video now of floaters and um, uh, athletes. And we're just asking everybody who's above the $15 tier to lower their tier to $15. Um, and at that point, you'll also get the video and athlete images as well. Um, just seems a little weird to be asking for more money when we're not making money right now. Uh, don't take out a loan to support Patreon, that's for sure. Um, but uh, if you are on the $10 tier, we do ask um, for $15 to, to get all of the things. Otherwise, um, thank you so much for your support at the $10 tier. That means a ton to us. And uh, let's see here. Oof, gosh. Uh, as always, remember, uh, get that money. Get that money. Try to get it everywhere you can. We'll work it out later. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.